Thank you. You may be seated. Well, Karina and I are really excited. We do feel like this is home. And uh, we, we became radical NCU fans, uh, even though we went to Evangel. But all of those years that we were here, we loved this school. And we, we felt God clearly call us from here to go. We, we left all the way back in 1997, went to Ethiopia, and have served in Africa since. A couple years before that, we had a two-year sabbatical, and we went to Burkina Faso in West Africa, did Muslim evangelism. But we have always loved this school and been so proud of each one of you and Dr. Hagen and everything that's happening here. And we want to give a big shout out to our MKs, especially those from Africa, but all of you. We love our MKs. We love all of you that are here preparing to serve the Lord wherever he will lead you in the years to come. Anyway, thank you. I don't have a lot of time, so I want to talk quickly about the subject, Are You Available? And I'm going to be looking at a passage in Acts chapter 8. So if you've got something that looks like a Bible or electronic, I mean, if it's the real thing, you know, still old-fashioned leather paper, which is more anointed, uh, grab that out. It's got maps in the back. But I, I, I want to address the issue of are you available? And I think my, uh, the Lord has put this message on my heart for you today because we have our plans and our dreams and our ambitions, and we kind of have everything sort of mapped out uh, into the future. And sometimes we have a deep love for a particular location or our family. And when we think about wherever we're going to serve, we've got to keep that all in focus. I, I worked in a church in New Orleans for six years before actually coming here to North Central. And man, the kids from New Orleans loved that city, and they could never dream of ever leaving the city. I mean, it was, and I'm sure many of you feel that same way about wherever your home is. So you have plans, you have ambitions, you have dreams, and you kind of put limits on what may happen. There may be certain areas of the world or people of the world that you would say, well, I, that one definitely is off limits. There's no way I'm going to go there. So certain places I'll go, certain places I won't. Certain doors I'll go through, but certain ones I won't. So we, we begin to sort of get this structure all put together. And I want to talk about, are you really available? Are you really available? And I'm looking at this passage that's familiar to us all in Acts chapter 8. And uh, you, know, you know that what leads up to this, Stephen in chapter 7 is martyred. And then it says, and Saul was there giving approval to his death. And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all of the church was scattered except the apostles. I wish I had time to talk about that one a while, but I don't. But I'm just going to jump ahead to verse 4. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip, no, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and he proclaimed Christ there. When the crowd heard and they saw the miraculous signs that were happening, they played, paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many. 
And there were many who had been paralyzed in their healings. And that verse ends, there was great joy in the city. The next little paragraph introduces a guy named Simon the Sorcerer who has an amazing ego and he has great spiritual, demonic spiritual power and has really had a great following, some out of fear, some out of admiration. Well, when that man, in all of his prestige and ego and acclaim in the city, was encountered by Philip, it says he began to listen, and ultimately this man, the sorcerer, Simon the sorcerer, put his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, was baptized in water, and became a follower, a disciple of Philip. I want you to think a moment about what is happening here. And I know you know the book of Acts. This is really a pivotal passage because from Acts chapter 1, where Jesus is meeting with the disciples, he's been raised from the dead, and he begins to talk about the kingdom of God for those 40 days before he ascended to heaven. You know, it's at that point the disciples are thinking, okay, Jesus, we really didn't anticipate you coming and dying. That wasn't really the way we wanted it to happen. But okay, that's happened. Now, is this the time you are going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They're thinking ethnically. They're thinking politically. It's all about them. Okay, you did the salvation stuff. Now, this is our time. And Jesus says, it's not for you to know the times and seasons, but verse 8, 1, 8, but you will receive power. Power. What kind of power? The power that would move them and move us to be willing to leave home and leave family and leave the familiar to go to the hard places, the tough places, to be willing to say, Lord, if it's in your calling in my life, I'm available to lay down my life and die for you. It's a power to proclaim in boldness no matter what type of resistance may be there. A power to say yes to the Lord and no to self. You will receive power and you will be my witnesses. Start right where you are, Jerusalem. Go to the region. Judea, go to the neighboring people group, the Samaritans, and keep going to the ends of the earth. That happened. They were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit in chapter 2. So then when do they begin to obey? Chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5, 6, 7. They are still in Jerusalem. They're still in Jerusalem. They are Pentecostal. They're speaking in tongues. They're dancing, jumping, shouting, doing their holy roller for Jesus. But they haven't taken one step out of home. Unfortunately, and yet God has a bigger plan than our comfort, he sent persecution. And because of the martyrdom and the radicalization of Paul, Saul at that time, it says the whole church was scattered. What does it take to move us out of our comfort zone? I hope it's not that. I hope there would be a willingness, a humility, uh, an, an, an openness that says, God, I don't know where you want to take me, but I am available. But it took persecution, and it says the whole church was scattered. But to me, it is really sh shocking and a little bit disappointing to read, and the whole church was scattered except the apostles. 
Now, there are reasons why we can argue they did stay, but I'm not going to go there. But I want you to note, when Luke was inspired to give this amazing historical narrative account of the establishing of the kingdom and the spread of the gospel, he focused on the movers and the shakers, the ones who were led by the Holy Spirit and were willing to go wherever the Spirit led them. And it didn't matter how prestigious, how acclaimed, how important their position was. He followed whoever moved in obedience. While the apostles, the twelve, those who had been with Jesus, the rocks, the pillars, stayed in Jerusalem, a guy surfaces out of the shadows to serve the Lord, and his name is Philip. And you know who he is? You'd have to go back to Acts chapter 6. See, this wasn't a perfect church. Aren't you glad the Lord is merciful? This was a church that was wrought with uh, ethnocentrism and selfishness and carnality, but the Lord hadn't given up on them yet. But you read in chapter 6 that even though they loved Jesus, they're Pentecostal, there was ethnocentricity and bigotry, racism, because you've got two major groups in the church, Jews who come from outside Israel, the Hellenists, and Jews who were born in the land, the Hebraic. And when they were doing food distribution, they were racist and partial and giving favor to one group against the other and still speaking in tongues. See, just because you're full of the Spirit doesn't mean everything's all resolved yet. May the Lord keep working. May He keep working. Don't give up. And I'm not, I believe in being filled and speaking in tongues, but I also think, oh Lord, keep changing me, shaping me. And so what happened is the, the word got out that they had this division in the church. So the apostles pulled everybody together and notice, they said, we want you to find seven people, two characteristics. They are full of the Holy Spirit, and they are full of wisdom. In my conclusion, I'm going to ask you, but I'm going to ask you now, is that a pursuit in your life? That you would be known, that I would be known as a person full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom, moving, functioning, discerning, sensing the leading of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord, whether it's in the dormitory or in the chapel or in the classroom or in my job as I move around, there is that, that sense of being led and listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I'm also known as a wise person. Wisdom, thinking through, processing, making good decisions. They said, find seven people like that. We will give them the responsibility to handle this food distribution. We're going to continue focusing on prayer and the proclamation of the word. The first person they chose was Stephen, and the second person they chose was Philip. These are not the big 12. These are not the Peters and Johns and James that had walked with Jesus. Philip began his ministry distributing food, cooking food, washing dishes, cleaning up after the widows, taking care of of practical needs among the body of Christ. We don't know anything about him being a great preacher, a deliverer, a healer. He was just there serving and doing what was put in his lap because of his character. And he was willing to serve. Willing to serve. Persecution came. And as people began to respond, isn't it it moving? 
that Luke, who's going to write as much content in the New Testament as Paul, talks about this man all through chapter 8. In fact, in my perspective, he is the first cross-cultural minister of the gospel after the day of Pentecost. And he goes. He goes to Samaria. And you know a lot about Samaria. The Jews and the Samaritans had nothing in common. They were hostile. They hated each other. Even back in John chapter 4, when Jesus went to Samaria, John stops and he said, the Samaritans and Jews had nothing to do with each other. I mean, that was off limits. Those guys came from a multicultural background. They were idolaters. They were evil. They, they had their own religious center in Mount Gerizim, their own temple, their own beliefs. Nobody went there. You know, even back in the days of Jesus, when the people were traveling from the south part of Judea up to the north in Galilee, rather than take the short way through, they would circumvent all the way around Samaria because they didn't want to be contaminated by contact. But when the scattering took place, a man full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, he went to those people. People that were despised. People that in the minds of so many Jews, they just weren't even savable, redeemable. They were beyond hope. It reminds me of a fellow, a friend of ours named Eskinder. Uh, he's a, in Ethiopia, a Pentecostal born-again, spirit-filled young man who was trained as an educator. And the government sent him over to the frontier of Somalia, the eastern border, to teach in a little, uh, little elementary school there. Well, there was a Muslim guy in the area. His mom is Ethiopian. His dad is Somali. His name is Goulet. And when he heard that this, quote, Christian was coming to teach in his school, he said, it's going to be my ambition to convert that guy from Christianity to Islam. I'm going to get him. And so when Eskinder showed up, Goulet approached him and he said, can I have a Bible? You know, and of course, Eskinder's thinking, all right, this guy is hungry. He's a seeker. And he gave him a Bible. But the reason Goulet wanted a Bible was that he could examine it, find flaws, and begin to undermine the faith of Eskinder. He'd never read a Bible before, but he started reading. And he would go and he would meet with Eskinder with an angry, aggressive, attacking mode. And he would just run into a guy who was gracious and full of the Spirit and winsome and kind in answering his questions. Well, the more Goulet confronted Eskinder and the more he read the Bible, one day he walked up to him and said, I think I'm finding the truth for the first time in my life. And he led him to the Lord Jesus Christ. And what's amazing, Karina and I started, we were able to help start a Bible school in Djibouti, right on the, that little corner of East Africa, the, hor the, horn, the, the corner of the Horn of Africa. And in that school, Goulet came. And he came for training, and he told us while he was there that he had led more than 15 Somali believers to the Lord, and they were meeting underground in a church. That could be the largest Somali church any place in the world. And it happened because a man was willing in a kind of a surprising situation to be available and to be sent to a hard place and just see live the life. He proclaimed the gospel. He did his job. And through his work and the faithfulness of the Holy Spirit, Goulet came to Christ. And now he is reaching into Somali regions and neighborhoods that no one else could get to. Will you be available? Philip went. 
And he's not the big gun. He comes out of nowhere, but he begins to preach. And notice what it said. People began to listen. They saw the signs and wonders and miracles. See, miracles and signs and wonders and deliverances aren't reserved for the big apostles. The Lord is willing to use any of us, any of us who will simply say, God, flow through me. Heal through me, not about me, not about my name, my reputation, my legacy. But Lord, may I be a conduit of the power of the Spirit that people can see your love and your glory and your power. He can use you. And Philip just goes and he preaches and he casts out demons and he heals the sick. And I love that concluding little statement. And there was great joy in the city. When the gospel comes, there is joy, there is freedom, there is celebration. And it happened through Philip. I want to just talk about this other guy who showed up. Simon the sorcerer. Man. How would you like to run into a person like that? I mean, kind of threatening, intimidating, spiritually powerful, amazingly arrogant, calling himself sort of God. And he and powers were working through him. I mean, we have seen that. The power of the demonic and the devil can do miracles and get people's attention and bring them into bondage and slavery. And this man had all of that happening in his life. But when a simple person like Philip, a man of integrity, full of the Spirit, full of wisdom, committed to God and bringing glory to Him, when he went there and confronted Him, I want you to note that there's no rejection. and, And Philip is certainly not intimidated. He doesn't attack Him. He just continues to be faithful. And through the ministry of this man who came out of nowhere and started by serving tables, a powerful, powerful witch doctor, as it were, came to faith, believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, was baptized in water, and began to be a follower of Philip. Will you be available? Will you be available? Will you be available to go to the hard place, the rejected place, the difficult place, to go to those peoples that are scound upon by others? Will you go to these kinds of big, evil, powerful people without being threatened, intimidated, and without attacking, without mocking or scorning them, but just be there loving, gracious, full of wisdom, full of the Spirit, full of the Gospel, to the place that they will see the truth and the integrity that's in your life and in Jesus Christ flowing out from you, to the place that they will repent and be changed, and you will become their discipler. Jesus is looking for people who will be available. A friend of ours named Muhammad, he went, he's from eastern Ethiopia, a little city called Diradawa. He actually wanted to become one of the strongest Muslim evangelists on behalf of Islam in the world, and he went and studied in Khartoum. And then he came back to Ethiopia and he was working to convert Christians, to convert people that are part of the Orthodox, Ethiopian Orthodox Church. Radical, radical Muslim, very powerful in word and deed and apologetic for Islam. One day he was involved in a car accident. And in that accident, he became crippled. 
He was in his room, just very angry at God, at Allah, and praying, and the Holy Spirit came into that room, and Jesus appeared to him. And the Spirit said to him, there are two men walking on the street. If you will go out to them, they're going to pray for you, and you're going to be healed. This is a Muslim. He, you know, so he, he gets on his crutches, and he kind of goes down into the street, and there's two guys walking by. Are you the ones? No. Are you the ones? No. And here came two guys. And he walked up to them and he said, are you, are, you, are you the two that Jesus sent to pray for me? And they kind of took him aside, which is a good thing because it's you know, about 99% Muslim. They took him in to a room and they explained the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to Muhammad. And they prayed for him. And instantly the Lord healed his leg from this injury that he had had. He became fully normal. And today... Muhammad is going through our churches in Ethiopia, training and teaching our believers how to be more effective, more understanding, and bringing the gospel to Muslims. My dear friends, look at our world. Something like 1.4, 1.5 billion have never, ever even heard the name Jesus. Sometimes we lose sight of that. I love the songs we're singing, and I'm, I'm thinking of places back in Djibouti, and places in Ethiopia, and places where there is nothing but darkness and lostness, and there's no witness, there's no Christian at all. And we say, oh, let the heavens come down. Let it penetrate our earth. But the Lord is looking for people who will say, I'm available. And I'm not saying you got to be in you know, ministerial studies. I look at this guy, Philip, to me, that's why it's such a good example, because he was just being faithful, and then when the opportunity came, he moved out and he said, okay, I'll go wherever you lead me. And by the way, after he had an amazing revival in Samaria, the Lord said one day, you know, I have another assignment for you. And he told him to leave a crowd, leave, leave the, the people who loved him, to go out into the desert in the middle of the day, so that he could reach one Ethiopian eunuch. Available. Available. Tough places, crowds, deserts, it doesn't matter where it is. But my prayer is that you will say, while I'm here at NCU, I'm going to be as equipped and trained as I can be. I'm going to pursue being full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And Lord, you may bring around some God-ordained circumstance that will open a door and lead me in a place I never, ever imagined. But I'm going to set aside my schemes, my plans, my organization, and I'm going to be like the little boy Samuel who said, Here I am, Lord. I'm listening. Send me. I'm listening. Send me. If that's your prayer today, would you stand? and say, I'm available. I'm available, Lord. I don't know what that's going to mean, but I'm available. I'll wait on tables. I'll take care of widows. I'll go to Samaria. I'll go to those sorcerers. I'll go in the desert to Ethiopia. I'm available. Would you lead us in worship? And may we just rededicate our lives to availability to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords.